When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Brought to you by North Memorial Health, where customers are treated like family. That means a big smile when you walk in the door and making sure your visit is as pleasant as possible. Just like your family treats you, find your health family at NorthMemorial.com slash family. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. It's Purple Daily. It happens one time in a game. That's one thing. The exact same thing happens again. What was your exchange with the referee at that point? Uh, I actually changed the position of my hand because it was to the chest initially, which is right here. I was doing it all game. Uh, I didn't know that was a flag to the chest, so I could change it to right here. Uh, he caught it again. A very sad Trey Flowers there to start the show here. Purple Daily, Matthew Collar, and ESPN's Courtney Cronin. And I feel like by the end of this hour, we need to solve the crisis from uh, the NFL's refereeing issues because it has now impacted multiple NFC North outcomes that at the end of this season, we could look back and say, hey, remember when the Detroit Lions won a football game that referees took away from them? And hey, remember that touchdown that Stephon Diggs scored that may have changed the outcome, but then Alberto Riveron comes out of freaking nowhere to change the call because Delvin Cook bumped into someone. And then remember when they completely stopped overturning pass interferences to the point where last night Matt Patricia was afraid to challenge an obvious pass interference that was missed. I mean, this is getting completely out of control. And after last night, I was certain that it's not our imaginations. It's not just every year there's a controversy. It has gotten worse. And Thank goodness that one of the reporters from your network, ESPN and GetUp, uh, reported that overall penalties are way up in the NFL across the board this year. And I think we've seen it. And Courtney, I am at my wits end and I think everyone else is. And I am now sort of blown away at how different this week's game is for the Vikings, how different the NFC North is. And and now everyone is chasing the Green Bay Packers for a game that they should have lost, if not for Bizarro World with the referees. Do we want to say it's a Lambeau Field problem? Because I mean, <laughs> well, both of those partly it is. It, both think. of those calls happened. I mean, with the with the Diggs overturned touchdown, and you know the the multiple calls last night turning what punts into touchdown drives. I mean, it's mm-hmm. it's pretty bad. Um, I don't think that CTE or head injuries or concussions or anything like that. 
is what's wrong with the NFL right now. Those are those are big issues, yes, but by and large, the biggest problem with their product is officiating, and the fact is it's not getting any better. I mean, there's been one overturned pass interference call. There's the reason, I mean, Sean Payton isn't even, hasn't even called one yet. Isn't that kind of <laughs> no. interesting that the guy affected right. by it the most has not called one yet? I just think it's such a volatile way to handle this where officiating now is almost gone completely the opposite side of the spectrum where Judd and I were talking about this before we got on air. Um, what happened to like pass interference being the one thing that we were supposed to be looking at this year? And now with a host of other penalties that have come into play, overturning touchdowns, um, it's a problem. I don't know how that we've, how we've gone from trying to fix blatant pass interference, which, you know, in theory it was a good idea, but it seemed that there's so many other things we're pulling into the mix here that's kind of changing the, the landscape and the outlook for a lot of games. I'm writing down something right now. You're not going to have me pie chart to this, pie are you? chart, oh, yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. All right. Now, maybe you could think of any other ones. Uh, I'm, I want you to pie chart the problems here and where they most exist. But the, okay. I got it right here for you. Oh, you got it. And I got a pen and I got a notebook. It's Danny's notebook, but he's going to have to deal with this. He's going to enjoy this beautiful Ooh. pie chart you're going to draw. Here's, but at, feel free to add to it. Here's what I've got for the distribution of idiocy with the refereeing right now and the problems we face. And I want you to give percentages out of 100% of being enraged at how bad this is to which percentages are annoying you the most or you think are uh, the, the most that need to be addressed. Number one, pass interference. Number two, instant replay. Number three, points of emphasis. Number four, just bad referees. And feel free to add anything else to that. Okay. Because those are the first four that I thought of. And I'll make the case for each one while you make your pie chart. The pass interference thing, they have so supremely botched that you would think any group of school children, when given the task to come up with a way to address pass interference after the botchery last year in the NFC Championship, could have easily taken care of it. They could have easily, a bunch of fifth graders, come up with a standard for overturning a pass interference call or calling one where there was none called upon being challenged and then done it. Kevin Seifert reported that one out of the last 25 challenges has been overturned. One of the yeah. last 25. So they're basically not even doing it anymore. Their response was, eh, looks like we really can't get this, so we're just going to waste everyone's timeouts and impact games that way. On the replay side, trying to replay it also clearly difficult because it's in slow motion, and is it egregious, is it not egregious? But replay in general has brought about its own number of issues. That the more we replay things, the more confused we seem to get yes, about actual the, outcomes. Al Riveron is the one who gets more confused as each. I mean, he always <laughs> Alberto he always Riveron. sides with what was what came up on replay. Yeah. But his explanation for it, like I still go back in my head to the one. I was getting cheese curds in the press box in Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. Um, and I came back to sit down and I saw, like, at my seat, and I saw there was a tweet that popped up from the NFL's officiating account. I remember watching the video um, and feeling dumber yeah. after yep. I had. It's like the Billy Madison it. thing. We're like, all now dumber I didn't, for I just, having watched I just Alberto could River not on. understand what he was saying about He's like the second player and they wouldn't call. Dalvin Cook out by name, and then I was like, where was he blocked? Like Dalvin he, didn't like, even know after the game that, that he did he, it. He didn't know until he was told. Like, I mean, it's just like 
I'm not done yet, by the way. Yeah. But okay, I mean, keep, I just, yeah, keep working. Here's where I think we're at right now. This remember like how bad the catch rule was. Like yes. this era of PI is probably worse. I totally. Agree. I don't think that's be- a far fetched hot take because it's not just PI. If this was just PI, then we would be coming in here today saying, "Okay, fix this one thing and we'll be all right." But the next one on your list, the points of emphasis, might be worse than the pass interference. In the fact, I think I think they are. It can't be worse than the ones where you've gone under or over 100%. Well, I mean, like, it's like literally geometrically wrong, well, and I'm trying right. to make sure my math is right, right, so bear with me here for um, a second. Point of emphasis. Now, it seems every offseason they go in and they come out with this big list of things, and it's like somebody trying to carry too many groceries, which I refuse to get a cart when I go to Target. Of course you and, do. Uh, yeah, by the end, I'm carrying about 17 things, so I got... Dog food underneath my arm, and I got a 12-pack of Diet Dr. Pepper, which I accidentally got cherry Diet Dr. Pepper. What a mistake. And, uh, you know, I'm just carrying too much stuff, and I can't keep track of it all, and it falls. That's how referees seem to be dealing with these points of emphasis. They just are having a lot of trouble dealing with the number of things that the it's NFL is putting on their shoulders. Like, we think back to, like, the owners' meetings. What was supposed to come out of that, and what did come out of that? The pass interference rule and all the new nuances with it and all the changes and that it was supposed to enhance the game. Where did all these other extra points of emphasis over the last, that would have been March, so from March till now, or really let's go March till beginning of September, start of the season, where did the rest of that come from? That's my issue with it. Like It just seems like we keep adding and convoluting the rule book when... Shrink, wouldn't you think shrinking the rule book and just fining guys for unnecessary roughness, helmet to helmet contact, illegal hands to the face, anything like that? Wouldn't that just be a better use of doing it than literally stalling games, making them four and a half hours long, um, completely screwing up pace of play, things like that, and in, in deciding outcomes based on the referee judgment call? I just think that that's like make make guys like just pay for it like do it that way that's that's the easiest way to do it if you don't want like referees and officiating to come between the integrity of the game and the product on the field i think what they're trying to do is every offseason show us how safe the game is now uh, yeah See, doesn't it but, have that feeling of like well last hey, year with uh, unnecessary roughness yeah. and roughing the yep. passer and all yep. of that but no safe it is now see we're not letting anybody touch each other's face that's it's safe it's safe we made an emphasis you can't hold anymore cuz that's safer right well but think about it this way when did after about like week 6 or 7 last year the refs started backing off. Yeah. Officiating crew started backing off on the. I mean, helmet to helmet and, and targeting is always going to be, and rightfully so. After it changed a bunch of outcomes. Yes. Yep. Like, you have to have that, and just for, like, safety of the game. But roughing the passer, where guys now have to worry about shifting their body weight um, and rolling off of the, off the quarterback, like, that went away. Yep. Like, it was really, really heavy the first six, seven weeks of the season. But still occasionally pops up. It's totally yeah. random now. No, I mean, there, there was one game I was watching the other night. Maybe it was the Thursday night game that it came on. I was it's just happened like, a few times. Like, yep, it's there, happened a few times a few where, where the, been put his weight by. on the guy or yeah. whatever. Yeah, so... 60%? No, it's 51% of his body weight. It can't be more than half of it. And just bad refs, I think, has always existed. I think refs are always going to struggle. It's very difficult. It's hard for them to handle the amount of stuff that the NFL puts on their shoulders. And there are just flat-out missed calls. And last night, there were just flat-out missed calls. Last night had a lot more bad refing, but the bigger picture, I would put most on points of emphasis. Here's how you did it, though. 
You said 45% pass interference. And I mean, I'm pulling from the stat that you just mentioned that Kevin Seifert brought up, that only 1 in 25 has actually been overturned. Yeah, that's egregious. That's really egregious. And coaches now are afraid to call it. You had Matt Patricia afraid to call it last night. Um, Yep. And and he would have lost it even though it was obvious. Regardless, yeah. So, I mean, that to me, um, that's a big problem. Because that was supposed to, it took from one play that decided the outcome of a game unfairly in the NFC Championship game and has not whatsoever fixed it at all. And weren't we supposed to have the preseason to figure this thing out? And we're still at square one and or square zero? we're not anywhere close. No. And if you're a Vikings fan, you're especially mad about the P.I. because oh, you waited to screw the Vikings first and then stop calling it entirely. Yeah. The only reason that I wouldn't go as much on P.I. myself is because I feel like we're in the same spot we were before. So are you there, there's basically like, no replay now of, of pass interference. So you're kind of including P.I. in your overall points of emphasis. Is that correct? In, in, a, way. in a way. I mean, in a way, they all connect together mm-hmm. because it seems that the bad refs can't even get instant replays right. Yeah. That's kind of a bit of a problem there itself. But instant replay has always been problematic because they slow things down to the millisecond and mm-hmm. then... They still don't get the call right a lot of the time after an instant replay or refuse to overturn themselves, which I always thought was a little weird for some of the calls of going to look if you screwed it up. Uh, Nope, doesn't look like I screwed anything up. Well, there's one thing I do want to point out. I don't know how much um, has already been out there. Matt Patricia has yet to talk today, so I'm really curious once he heats up about it because he was very careful with his word choice after the game, as you noticed. Um, but Jeremy Fowler of ESPN is down at the league meetings that are in Florida right now, and he had just put out a tweet. Um, Rich McKay said that he will reserve judgment on the PI review until end of the season, as that's always happens with rules, yep. but calls it a, quote, subjective world. Troy Vincent said Trey Flowers' second illegal hands penalty uh, is, quote, not something you want to see called. So really, what are they yeah, going to say? It's non-existent. Like, right. oh, yeah, they... I mean, it's touched his collarbone. Right. But... Um, are they supposed if to we can't freak fix out? this in yeah. season, what are we going to do? Because it's messing up the integrity of the game. And if you're the Vikings, you're probably freaking out right now, thinking maybe a call to the league, uh, something like you can't have that happen this coming weekend. Coming off of what happened last night in Green Bay, you've already been the the subject of a call gone wrong in Lambeau Field that literally took points off the mm-hmm. scoreboard that just doesn't happen. And if it does, it has to have a very clear and concrete reason to. Um, I think if you're Mike Zimmer, if you're Rick Spielman, um, you're really trying to push the league office to make sure that there is no sort of tomfoolery this weekend uh, with the referees in Detroit because the division's not like, you know, the, the division is heating up. They have yep. not won a division game. If it comes down to a pass interference call or roughness or, you know, something that we saw last night with, you know, legal hands, use of hands to the face. Like, I just can't. I can't get past that. So let me go through this pie chart, which isn't that bad. You've I mean, made worse. there's um, <laughs> 45% you gave to pass interference as being the problem. 25% replay on itself. And there have been a few rants along the way where I have called replay the monster that we let out of the box and now it's eating us all to death and that's still how i feel about it's it's not just it's yeah it's not just the nfl it's everywhere right it's not like and i don't think it's making any sport more fun mm -hmm. to watch or better no and in a lot of ways not even more fair um points of emphasis you gave 20 percent. i think we're on the same page that they make the referees jobs harder and i agree with making it 10 percent bad refs i don't think refs are any different i think they're just asked to do a lot more 
But there are times where they need to be held accountable for things like 13 Packers players being on the field at one time and completely missing that. Yeah. I mean, that, that should be elementary right there. Well, that, that, they missed things last night. There's sort of last night versus the bigger picture. They missed things last night that were so egregious they shouldn't be working a national TV game ever again. They should be working all of Cincinnati's schedule for the rest of the year. But on the bigger yeah. picture... Even good referees, I think, are in a very tough spot because of the points of emphasis, and no one knows to do with, what to do with the PI. Yeah, and, and I mean, going off of replay even further, um, I actually just lost my train of thought there because I was looking at the Al Riveron, Alberto Riveron video um, from the Minnesota game when they overturned that yes. call. Um, are we looking at something here that? could potentially change viewership, that could potentially drive down, I guess, the intrigue in the NFL. Because here's the thing, like, until we started getting New York involved in this stuff, like, where it's like, oh, here's a here's a questionable call, the coach is going to challenge it, or we need to review it, let's call New York. Like, why, do you think that that could also be added into maybe the pie chart of, the league office getting involved yes, like, directly yes, in games. Like, I don't know if you can include that in points of emphasis. Like the, to me, that's kind of like, I don't know. That just changes like the, the integrity of the sport in a way, because it's like, let the people who are there with their own, like, I understand getting a, an extra set of eyes. That's important. But like when New York people who are so far away from your game, it just feels like, I don't want to say it's fixed. I mean, but th- I can understand when people come up with ridiculous arguments like that. That I can understand because it doesn't make sense that you have somebody, a third party, who's brought in and literally their one job is to either overturn the call or keep the call. And it could change the outcome of a game. So real quick before we hit the break here, do you think that the solution exists in SkyRef? <sighs> Maybe. But like... If that is the case, why hasn't that already been enacted before? Like, you know what I mean? I mean, we've been talking about that for a couple years now. And I'm just surprised. Like, there's got to be some reason it hasn't come into play or at least been a serious part of the conversation yet. And I just don't know what that is. I want to go back and look, and I have no idea where to find these games, but the AAF did it. Yeah. And they tried it. And I want to see how it worked. Because I think Kevin Seifert actually wrote an article about it. Then, then, uh, then let's try to find it because I want to know if that worked when they tried to put it into practice because that was real football with players who were fringe NFLers like practice squad level players. So it was a high level of football. And I think it makes a lot of sense as long as it's put into practice correctly. But that part of it is always the part that the NFL botches. Pass interference review should have been pretty easy to do. Yeah. So And they messed it up. So there's one, I found a tweet of Kevin's, because I remember around the time that this whole thing was happening in early March, he was one of the ones who was like really heavily uh, involved in, in reporting that story. said, the NFL Competition committee's, co- Committee is leaving the Combine with a mandate to study and develop the concept of a sky judge that, would, that could correct clear and obvious mistakes, and that's what Troy Vincent said. Owner support was unclear at that time. Clearly, it would have been brought up at the meetings about 30 days after this tweet. But the conversation is going to continue. And I just think that when you're looking at like the sky judge and all things like that, like there's the devil's kind of going to be in the details there. Like what we're what we don't like with actual people right now, like in refs and people in New York and Al Riveron and everybody overturning calls and getting kind of too many cooks 
uh, yes, involved yes. in an NFL game. We're already there. I agree with We're you. We're already there. And I don't know if Sky Judge is going to overturn it. The one thing with Sky Judge that's attractive to me is that it's... <laughs> Like we're all seeing things on TV that the refs aren't seeing at this point with mm-hmm. the many many camera angles. Even the guy uh who catches the touchdown and his knee is down because there's a camera in the pylon and they didn't catch that apparently. Um but we did at home because of all these different angles we can see these things better than the actual people who are given the task of refereeing the game and it sort of stands to reason that if there's a person who can see what we see, that up in the booth, we would be able to do better than them. Or at home, we can do better than them in a lot of cases, that if they put someone up in the booth, they would be able to do better. But the execution part of it, since they have totally botched the pass interference thing, I have almost no trust whatsoever that the NFL could get this right, even if they did the right thing with the sky cam. So let's take a break. We'll come back. Uh, We will circle back to the Vikings beating the Philadelphia Eagles, and we will talk some more football and kind of now how the Vikings schedule sets up. Things have changed in a week from how the Vikings schedule looks. Let's discuss it when we return. Courtney Cronin of ESPN, Matthew Collar here on Purple Daily. North Memorial Health has over 400 care providers. That's right, more than 400 care providers and more than 6,000 team members that are dedicated to keeping you healthy. North Memorial Health is proud to partner with the Minnesota Vikings as they work to make Minnesota the healthiest in the league. They're more than a team at North Memorial Health. They're your family. At North Memorial Health, customers are treated like family. Your health family is more than a tagline. It's a commitment to delivering unmatched customer service. That means a big smile when you walk in the door. That means making sure your visit is as pleasant as possible. It means asking, what else can we do for you? North Memorial Health will treat you like family in a good way. The people at North Memorial Health will team up with you to help you achieve your best health. So step up your health care game today and find your health family at northmemorial.com slash family. Once again, that's northmemorial.com slash family. Well, you know, I've been saying for a long time, play actions make it hard on the defense and, um, we showed it yesterday, you know, the whole, most, I think all of those big plays were play actions. So, uh, you know, if, they, if they're going to take the free safety out of the middle, you get a chance to hit some real deep ones, and if they keep them back, you get a chance to hit some intermediate ones. Courtney, you uh, sitting down? Tell everyone that you're sitting down. I'm sitting. Okay, all right. If you can see on the live stream, I'm sitting. Oh, yeah, you're they, sitting, too. They can see you sitting, yeah. But yeah. I just wanted to make sure you were in a safe place because... <laughs> This uh, stat here is going to blow off your socks, okay? This comes from The Athletic on the Eagles' defense and where they rank against outside wide receivers. 30th in receptions, 32nd in yards, 29th in yards per reception, 32nd in touchdowns allowed to outside wide receivers this year. And I don't know what your reaction to watching the tape back was, but mine was... This team actually might have a worse defense than the New York Giants did the week before. Well, we knew going in, this was going to be a tough team for the Vikings to run on. So Dalvin Cook and the Vikings getting 100 yards rushing on the Eagles, like, collectively, that's a big accomplishment. Um, But using the run to set up the play actions and just... They weren't even, like, waiting on the edge. They weren't pulling Green Bay's strategy from week two, which kind of surprised me. I was like... 
We know this defensive line. We know this front seven. They've all played together for like four or five years now, right? Like, they have chemistry. They, they, they're they very, very good. Why are they biting so much on the play action? I just did not understand that whatsoever. Um, and it seemed like, honestly, after a while, the run kind of wore them down. I wasn't anticipating it being like that bad at the end with Alexander Madison and Dalvin Cook. Both they, making they some big games. just seems so obsessed with Dalvin Cook. And with the fact that the Vikings use two tight ends or three tight ends in so many mm-hmm. situations, that they had all their linebackers in there. They had eight in the box almost every single play. And I don't know if the Vikings will see anything this bad again from what they've seen the last two weeks defensively. Well, they go, not... from, they go from one really bad secondary to a fairly very good one. I don't know where you rank the Lions oh, secondary. No, I think they're, they're probably a top yeah, five secondary. Slay um, versus Diggs yeah. should be very good. Yes, I'm looking forward and to that And Coleman's one. a heck of a player, too. But, like, why you put it... I, I know that when we look at those back-to-back touchdowns on the deep crossing routes from, from Stephon Diggs in, in second quarter, where it was, like, on the second play of the drive, it was the 62-yard, and then the first play of the next drive, when the Vikings got the ball back, it was 51-yard. Why are you putting Rasul Douglas on him when you already saw... I mean, I don't believe it's just busted coverage and you're waiting for safety help or anything like that. I think that it's a bigger problem here that cornerback depth for them, like, call it what you see. it. Their personnel was terrible. Yeah, awful. And, and they yep. were... Like, this was a perfect day for Diggs or Thielen, and in the case it was Diggs, just to feast on such a bad secondary. Like, they had a perfect opportunity teed up on them, and I just don't want to hear it. It's like, oh, it's like, you know, it's bro- you know they're playing quarters coverage on the... What was it? The second touchdown. Uh, first one. First that one. was when Thielen came yes. across and, and the safety came up. And on And the him. Vikings have run that play before, so it's on film. Yep. Like you would have thought that they would have had like a better way to defend that. Um, I don't know. Like it's kind of baffling when you think about like how good they are up front and just how bad they are despite the injuries. But even beyond that, on the back end. And my observation was that the Vikings used a lot of extra blockers. You love Max Protect. Oh, I love Max Protect. Put them on both sides, one on each. If you ever have kids, you're going to name them Max Protect Cronin. Like basically, it's going to the kids going to take my last name. Why not? My my wife didn't take my name. Okay, she kept her own. I said you can have it. Sure. I mean, it's your call. It's your name. Anyway, um, what was I going to say? Max Protect <laughs> okay, Cronin yeah, right. is where you were like, there, right you there. got really off in a strange well, I mean, they, place They there. use so but, much 21 personnel. They use so much 12 personnel. Like they, and, the, and the Eagles just took the bait, yes, though. They and, put in all their linebackers. Like, oh, you're going to run on they us. They thought no. they were going to run every time. Like They had people jumping out of their shoes. And, yes, it was a huge day for the Vikings offense, and Kirk Cousins made some fantastic throws. I wouldn't say that um, you know, they, we should take anything away from the victory. When you go against the bad defense and you light them the hell up, Like that's what you're supposed to do. Now how it translates is going to be pretty interesting because I was aghast watching the film for the second straight week. Just like, how is this an NFL team being so baffled by really a lot of simple things that the Vikings were doing? Big picture-wise, though, there is more to take away here than there was in a blowout win over the Raiders, in a blowout win, in a win over the Giants. Like, I agree. I think offensively, it's like we we started to see. Okay, last week or two weeks ago now, week five, coming out of week five, they're looking at hey, they have the formula for balance. They finally, you know, took five weeks, took nine months uh, of talking about it. They finally figured it out five weeks into the season. Then this past week, the, the overarching concept is you have two really good receivers. When you go against 
good teams with good defenses. Like, and, and let's just say, like, we know that they're going to face good defenses with good secondaries and good front, like guys up front. Um, it's not just going to be as one sided as this Eagles game was. That's the formula you have to use in order to beat said teams. Like, they show that they can ignite a passing attack, and that Stephon Diggs can take the top off your defense. And if it's not Diggs, it's probably going to be Adam Thielen. Like, they have that type of balance within their receiving core yep. and within the passing game, and Kirk can do that. I just think that, you know, can that carry over to a Detroit team? Like, we go every single week saying this is the next biggest game. This is the next biggest game. Like, if they can actually do it against a, like, from top to bottom, all 11 on defense, then I think we can say, okay, they are a legit contender. Yeah, because these things that they have set up have worked super well against bad teams. And that's half of it, right? I mean, we talked about this with the Minnesota Twins when they were hitting all the home runs off of Kansas City and Detroit. Well, you need to hit the home runs off the New York Yankees, too, and uh, put the baseballs being rigged uh, aside. They didn't hit the home runs off the New York Yankees, too, and that's how they got eliminated. And so far, you've got that situation with the Vikings, where they have hit the home runs off of the bad pitchers, and they have dominated and annihilated these bad teams. Atlanta is horrendous. Did, Look you, what they did, did. you think they'd be 1-5? and five? No. I didn't. No, they were a team I like, thought would improve their defense, and they could easily be competing for that division. I did not expect this. I'm baffled by that. They're horrific. Oakland might be a little better than we thought, mm-hmm. but they weren't that day. No. They were tremendously bad that day. And Philadelphia is terrible. The Giants are terrible. And you're supposed to hit the home runs off them, and you deserve credit. They count. The wins count exactly the same. But until they do it this week, then we'll have uh, a better understanding of whether these same concepts work against a team that does have a good defense. Because you saw it a lot last night that Aaron Rodgers made some great plays against the Detroit defense, but they had great coverage on a lot of those plays, too. Mm -hmm. And they're a man-to-man team that's going to take a lot of very talented players up against your talented players. So can you fool them in some ways? Can you be creative in some ways as they were on Sunday and have those things work? There was one particular play that I loved its design, where they had Adam Thielen fake an end around. Mm -hmm. and That was the second one? Yeah, it was the second one because it was one beats Diggs. The first one was where Diggs uh, didn't cut back. Should have cut Yeah, yeah, should have cut back. And then Thielen ran one for Mm -hmm. like a one-yard gain or something that got blown up. I I love those, by the way. Just like installing, making those part of the offense. I know that Thielen said after the game that that stuff that they've had, they just haven't been able to pull that out. It clearly like, messes with defense. Yes. That, you can talk about misdirections and pre-snap motion and all that stuff, but those are just like the bread and butter type plays that are going to fool with a defense. So the play I'm thinking of is where it was later in the game, Cousins took another shot to Diggs and overthrew him by a couple yards. Yes, yes. That play was a fake end around, and the safety came sprinting up to, to handle Thielen if he ran the end around, leaving no one over the top in the corner in cover three to have to go a very long way to get over the top of Diggs, which he did not. And he was wide open and would have caught another touchdown had it been a good throw. So stuff like that, the play designs, I think have been consistently good from Kevin Stefanski and Gary Kubiak all the way through the season. The execution has been much harder for Kirk Cousins in the offense when they're playing against good teams. Now, let me ask you this question, because I... We were talking about the Max Protect and joking about it, but they used it a lot, mm-hmm. and they did a tremendously great job against a very talented Eagles defensive line. Do you think that can continue week after week against defensive lines? Because it 
really was not good against the Packers or Chicago, but was excellent on Sunday. And, and that, I know when we get Alex in here a little bit later, like he has his own thoughts on Max protecting and that it's not something that you go to the well on every single time. Um, the one thing I like to think back to is, you know, and you just, said, how dare you insult my baby? Yes. My, Max protect Cronin. Is there a hyphen in there? Is it like Carl Anthony Towns? <laughs> I mean, Max hyphen protect. If I'm naming my child <laughs> yes. that, yes, yes. Let's, let's put a hyphen in there. Um, back to Max protecting. I mean, I had to write something today. We were just looking at our power rankings, and we do kind of a new topic every single week. And mine was, like, it was, the topic this week was, what's the weakest link on this Vikings team? And you try to think big picture-wise, like, you know, just because... You know, penalties were a problem. Don't call it a weak link right now because it's a problem everywhere. Um, so I'm going through position group, and, you know, after Kirk's game, you could not call him the weakest link. I mean, Zach Brown just got fired for that. Um, but I was looking a little bit further offensively. Life comes at you fast, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. Um, but the tight end group, like, I think it's fair to say that they are probably the weakest link offensively right now with their contributions in the passing game. Kyle Rudolph and Irv Smith have combined for like seven or nine catches for like 165 yards and no touchdowns. I mean, tight end screens are very, very rare. I mean, they do happen in this offense, but it's not like, you know, the bread and butter here. But their run blocking and what they are doing in, you know, heavier personnel groupings being brought in to max protect so often you cannot discredit and discount what they're doing. I mean, it is expensive when you think about how much they paid Kyle Rudolph to come back and now he's a blocker and you use a second round pick on Irv Smith, who we both talked about not anticipating him having that big of a role in the passing game early on mm-hmm. as a rookie. But I think you can look at that and say, wow, he's he's blocking better than most people would have expected him to, just given what his role was at Alabama and how that's transitioned to the NFL. Yeah. Um, but can that continue? I think when you go against better defensive lines like the Bears and um, you know the Lions are going to be an example of that this weekend because they've got a great you know group up front, you're going to get picked apart on that. That's not something you're going to be able to go to every single play. Like it's not like you're just going to have seven down there all the time and Kirk's going to have three or four seconds to throw. I think you have to use it sparingly, given you know what what defense they're in and what you want to do up front. What you want to do up front with your guys because some of that can be on the quarterback, some of that can be on your running back. I think that using tight ends, I don't want to say sparingly because they're doing it a lot, but you know you kind of have to pick your poison with that. And I do think that they used uh, a bunch of different things well. Uh, and the short passes were one of them. That it, on yeah. Friday or whatever, um, Judd and I talked about how last year against the Eagles, every time they were playing off coverage, that Kirk Cousins would take the snap and whip it out to Thielen or Diggs, and they would catch it and get seven yards. And they did that a lot in this game. Four-yard gain, five-yard gain, six-yard gain, and then Diggs breaks one for 18 mm-hmm. on a little just quick pass to the outside. I have a good stat I want to bring up. Where, where they could make plays with the ball. And I think that that is, it shows you a little more versatility. Like, they don't have to just do one thing or the other. But where I think they are best is when they have multiple tight ends on the field. Mm-hmm. It does feel like a waste of Kyle Rudolph, but at least teams do have to pay attention to Kyle Rudolph, knowing that he can go out and be a weapon in the passing game. Well, so there's this good stat that I want. I asked Mike Zimmer about it, kind of just from a broad sense, yesterday. So since week four, this is from Next Gen, 
Um, Diggs has caught 13 to 14 passes when lined up in, in off coverage. So his catch rate there is 92.9% on those throws, which is the highest among wide receivers with at least 10 targets in that span. Now, what is that a product of? Is it a product of being so heavy up front that that's just, you're just accounting for, you know, a lot of different things there. Like we we're talking about like multiple tight ends and using them as blockers. Like what's giving him those opportunities for those quick outs. And when you said you can break off an 18 yard gain here and there, that just seems like it's a methodical approach. And it's not necessarily digs just, you know, being lined up seven or eight yards off with somebody and just burning a guy like Rasul Douglas. Like it's more of a byproduct, I think, in the short passing game than it is any other place that you've seen it. I came away feeling like the short passing game was extremely effective, but gets forgotten when you throw 50 and 60 yard bombs for touchdowns, we're all going to focus on those, but it was really effective. We remembered it more from the giants game. I think just because like there wasn't those big exclamation point plays. I mean, sure the play action game and ceiling looked great and all that, Mm -hmm. but um, that's where I think you can say it really started this year. We finally saw screens to the running back and screens to the tight end and short passes to the flat. Like I like that. I even think that in Chicago, there were a couple instances of getting the short passing game going, and then it fell apart. Mm-hmm. And when Diggs fumbled, which, by the way, the very same fumble happened like that weekend or later that weekend with Kansas City where Travis Kelsey caught the ball and then Over someone the knocked it out of yeah. his hands, and then they reviewed it and found that it wasn't a fumble. So just wonderful consistency as the, always. Are you talking about the interception that um, the free play that Mahomes threw? No, this... The, this, this was this was the same the same week where okay, it was a very okay. similar play. It, it wasn't a huge play in the game, but it was Kansas City and Kelsey caught the ball, and as he was putting it down into his arm, they knocked it away, and then they called it a fumble on the field and changed it. Well, with the the Vikings play with Diggs, he caught it, and as he was putting it away into his arm, it was knocked away, mm-hmm. and then they called it a fumble. Anyway, it's just another instance of what we were talking about before. But the point was that that play was actually great i mean it's like a a little slant to digs if he's tackled there it gets him like eight to ten yards those things it seems kirk cousins can be really good at it and when he finds a groove with those shorter passes like he did the other day the other things seem to open up for him which is why i would like to see more kyle rudolph as we go forward because a six, seven, eight yard pass to Kyle Rudolph on first down is a really positive play, and it seems to get Cousins into a bit of a zone. And especially in the red zone. Do you remember that eleven yard tight end screen that they had? What was that? Was that week four? Where he almost scored almost but scored. got knocked out of bounds. Yeah. yeah. We, yeah. Was it that wasn't Chicago? That was the Raiders game? That was the Raiders game. Okay. Right? I mean, like, plays like that are gonna break. Like that should always be in your arsenal and always be something that you can revert to. Like it's not a dink and dunk type approach that I think a lot of people think of when they think of short passing games and just kind of wearing down a defense and trying to move the ball that way. Like this, like let's not forget a year ago, this was one of the best wide wide receiver screen teams in the NFL. They were not one of the best running back screen teams until, I mean, the, the numbers changed a little bit when Kevin Stefanski took over play calling week 15 on, but they were really good at throwing screen passes to the running to the to the uh, wide receivers, and I think that that's an element I'd like to see incorporated more regularly at this rate because I think that's going to open up things downfield for Kirk because you can get into a rhythm that way and get your confidence going and get a couple passes under your belt um, and move it that way. Like why why wouldn't you want to resort to kind of one of the easiest plays that you have to execute? 
Doesn't uh, require a whole ton of time for you standing back there. You don't need to have a very deep drop. I mean, it's pretty routine. All right. Um, I have a stat to run by you per request from Twitter. Okay. Uh, something that we went I over. Love a, I love a Twitter request on a stat. I know. I know. And this was a deep cut, too. This was an off-season conversation we had, and I threw this at you and asked you where the Vikings could rank in this particular stat that's really important for their passing offense. I'm going to tell you where they are right now, and you can tell me how much better or worse that this will get as we go along in the season. We'll take a break. We'll be right back. You're listening to Purple Daily here on Score North. Football fans, it's Mackie here for Federated Insurance. You might not know this about me, but I've been a business owner a couple different times in my life. I can relate to the roller coaster ride, the never-ending sea of problems to solve, the exhilaration of those incremental wins. If you're a business owner, I recommend getting to know Federated, which has over a century of experience in protecting businesses and making them as successful as they can be. You want a company like Federated standing behind your business. Visit federatedinsurance.com to find your local representative. Federated Mutual Insurance Company. It's our business to protect yours. Jonathan here with this hour's Score North Download brought to you by the 2020 Choice Bank Minnesota Golf Show. Minnesota United opens up the MLS Cup playoffs this Sunday at Allianz Field against the LA Galaxy and Score North is looking to send you to the game. All you have to do is have the Score North mobile app, be registered, and enter for your chance to win a pair of tickets to this Sunday's game. And don't forget, you can hear that game right here on Sunday on Score North on AM 1500 at scorenorth.com and the free Score North mobile app with the pregame beginning at 7 p.m. And with the sack Sunday of Carson Wentz, Daniel Hunter registered his 46th of his career. That's more than any other player has generated before turning 25. And when asked about that and how good Daniel Hunter can be, this is what Zimmer had to say yesterday at the podium. And somebody told me that day before the game that if he got a sack that he would do that. But uh, I don't know, DeMarcus Ware is pretty good too. Uh, But but Nell's talented. Uh, And he's still got a lot lot of uh, room to grow. Uh, I think he can continue to get better and better and better. Um, but uh, he's pretty darn good. That's been your score on Donald. Now back to Purple Daily. Thank you, Jonathan. Uh, Courtney had a request from someone on Twitter who asked me to swing back and take a look at where the Vikings passing offense is and how many points they can be better this year than they were last year. Because we had a discussion during the offseason where I asked you and, I don't know, maybe it was, I think it was Judd, Judd mm-hmm. how many more points they had to score or how where they had to rank to be a Super Bowl contender. And then I went through the points using expected points added from Pro Football Reference. So the expected points added presently are hard because it's only been six weeks. So it's hard to tell you, yeah, this Vikings passing offense has been worth 45 more points. Like, there's yeah. plenty of time to go, and it's hard to figure out. Because last, let's, let's at the end of the season, you can get a good picture. Last of year, where were they? They were like at 20. They were 22nd. Second. second. Okay. Yes. And passing oh. offenses are almost always worth like positive expected points against the situation, um, unless you're really, really bad. So, like, the Arizona Cardinals were really, really bad last year, and they were one of only seven teams that were in the negative. So last year, the Vikings' passing offense, for pro football reference, in its efficiency, was worth 52 points over your expected points added, and they were 22nd. They were no better than the San Francisco 49ers or Cleveland Browns or Oakland Raiders last year with their passing offense. It was bad. The best in the league... Kansas City, Saints, Patriots, Rams, Falcons. Makes a lot of sense, right? So this year, so far, and and I'll just give you this too. The best teams at the very top can be worth as much as 200 points over expected. 
And I believe you said they needed to rank somewhere around 10th. Yeah, I put them as like a top 10 passing offense because I was literally just going off of what, how that, how the, the six teams, six finalists then would for the Super Bowl, yep. like off of those teams, I was going off of where they were featured. And it's pretty, it's pretty, like, I mean, it's like very succinct, like one through six, like where all of them ranked. And, uh, and how they finished. Yes. yes. Uh, except for Atlanta that had the worst defense like on earth. Yeah. So, last year, being 10th would have been worth about 80 more points over a season. And this year, right now, at this very moment, the Vikings are 10th in expected points. So that would give you an idea that they would produce with their passing game if it continued at this level of efficiency... It would produce about 80 more points, which is a lot. And to make it even simpler to describe this, the Vikings are now third in the NFL in yards per attempt, which is really, really good. The only ones ahead of them are Kansas City, Seattle, and Dallas is tied. And then Houston is right behind them with Deshaun Watson. Do you think this passing game can continue at this rate, knowing that through the first six games they have had their ups and their downs against the good defenses, struggled against the great or against the bad defenses, they've been great. In a way, we're kind of at the same place we were at last year. Think about what happened weeks one through seven and just the passing efficiency. And I mean, take out, let's go weeks one through nine before the bye. Um, and if you take out a few games in there, the, the Saints game is one of them that I think about that you just would, it, it's an outlier. Like, by and large, they had a very efficient passing attack. I mean, running was a completely different story and they picked their spots where they could do it against the Jets and the Cardinals, but it was sustainable then, and you weren't even factoring in the stuff that is making Kirk really good right now. The rollouts, the play actions, using the run to set up play action, the screen game, things like that. I mean, you're relying on a seven-step drop offense last year, and it was sustainable at that point. I mean, they, they were able to do it, and they might not have won every single game, and I mean, there are other ways that you can factor in wins for that now that you do have a good running game, um, or at least a way to execute it, but we could, I don't know. I feel like they were, they were on a trajectory there where they could have maintained that. Um, does it last 16 games? I don't know. I think that there is there's a belief that it can, because you're not going to be relying on that what was the stat? Sixty nine point four percent of Kirk's play, of the plays last year were dropbacks. Yes, you were very happy like, about that stat. That's a great stat. Um, but <laughs> if you can if you can find a little bit more, I'll use the buzzword of balance there to take that away. It's absolutely sustainable over the course of an entire season because you're going to see it come in peaks and valleys and spike at points like it did last week, like it did against the Giants. Um, and I think that that's just fine. But to your point, last year through nine games. Which is what you said, like weeks one through week through, yeah. Because they had a, they had a ten like a week ten buy. So, but the first Before nine the weeks buy. of the season, they were they were doing it. So I just pulled this up. Cousins going into that next game, going into the Chicago tenth game, tenth game of the season, whatever that. Yeah, been, it was coming out of the buy in Chicago. Had a hundred and two point two quarterback rating, seventeen touchdowns, five picks. And his rating was just below Russell Wilson and just ahead of Deshaun Watson. So through this point last year, a little bit farther down the road even, they had one of the better passing games in the NFL. And it was the second half of the season, which I'll get in just a second, where teams started to figure them out, where they started to double-team Thielen and Diggs. And that is something that we just really haven't seen is teams figure them out so far. And it almost feels like teams are just playing their defense as opposed to learning from what... 
um, was successful from the Bears and the Packers. I saw an Eagles team that was really just playing the way the Eagles play usually and not really adapting a whole lot. So the rest of the year, Cousins threw in the final seven games, 13 touchdowns, 95 quarterback rating. And what was crazy is his yards per attempt dropped from 7.4 to 6.6, a massive drop-off from uh, the first nine games till the final seven games last year. And that's where we would still say, a lot of this stuff is working and is right, and the process is good, but how it continues to work throughout the entire season, we're going to have to see. So how tough do you think the schedule is? Because you're going to have to pick it. Feels like it got a whole heck of a lot easier after seeing what happened in week six elsewhere, but also with this team. Like, I'm actually looking forward to picking the schedule today. You will do that when we return with Alex Boone here as well. So we'll do that. You're listening to Purple Daily. We'll be right back on Score North. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. It's Purple Daily. Well, it was really good yesterday. Um, so we just got to keep keep continuing to get better at it. Uh, you know, we're working every day on trying to keep a firm pocket. And uh, I think, you know, when we have a clean, firm pocket, then, uh, then the quarterback usually plays pretty good. Nice and firm. Clean and firm. Clean and firm. Uh, Mike Zimmer there, Matthew Collar, Courtney Cronin now joined by Alex Boone as well. Um, what's going on, Alex? How are you? I'm doing great, guys. How are you? Uh, we are very excited. You don't to talk sound fired up after that sound bite. I mean, Mike yeah. Zimmer is like foaming at the mouth over the offensive line. We played I mean, that for you. Clean, firm pocket. <laughs> I, I guess I just I'm sick of the backhands. Stop with the backhands, dude. I don't I don't like it. Neither do they. Knock it off. You, do you mean that he almost sounded surprised when saying it? Like, oh, yeah, I guess we somehow blocked some humans. A little bit. It's kind of like, nah, you know, we, I guess we're, we, we did okay. I, I mean, I thought they played good. I think, you know, I think it may have deserved a little bit more credit, but okay. All right, so explain to me what you saw then, because one thing that I would like to observe right away is... Oh, Rash- yeah. I know where you're going. I, well, do you? I because you're, I was yes. going to point out Rashad Hill, and he comes yeah. off the bench and plays better in pass protection than Riley Reef has all year. And yeah. it just made me think, Riley has clearly been dealing with some things for a while, and I saw the play where he got hurt. Somebody ran into his foot, and I'm sure that yep. was not great. Um, but he's had these issues for some time, and Rashad told me after the game that Riley came up to him and said, hey, be ready, because I might have to come out of this game. So clearly not in that great a shape. I feel like if you're talking about pass pro as being more valuable than the run blocking, then maybe Rashad has to keep playing. I think it's two totally different things, and I think you're like, yeah, this is great. It's a huge upgrade in the pass game, right? Because Riley's obviously slow out of his stance, and he's been hurting for a while, and, and there's now his ankle's hurt, so it's like, dude, you can only take so many injuries before you're just eventually like sludge in the mud. You know what I'm saying? Like You're just not moving anywhere. So Rashad's a huge upgrade because, number one, is length, and he knows how to use it, and Rashad's a really strong guy. He doesn't look strong. like He just looks like a big dude, but he is extremely strong. So when he grabs you, it's like it's over. The fight is over. I used to have to do bull rush against him in like warm ups. And he, the way he would just like pick you up, you'd be like, dude, stop. Just put me down. Don't do that. <laughs> yeah, but dude, don't do that again, okay? He'd be like, sorry, man. Sorry. I'm so sorry. Like, he's dude, so nice. Right? He's such he a, is. He's a super friendly guy. <laughs> he's the greatest guy in the world. But 
The problem is with him sometimes he can have these problems where he lapses judgment and all of a sudden his feet start to cross. Right? He starts to get the really like good premier pass rushers, the guys that are cooking this year. That's when he's going to start to cross over. And that's when they're going to start doing inside and outside moves. And that's when they start using that against you. But he's definitely an upgrade from right now from what Riley is. But I think a lot of that is because Riley's probably playing more hurt than he's leading on to believe. Yeah. So how does this carry over? Because they actually, I know that we, Matthew wants to go ahead and rip the Eagles apart and say that they're the worst team ever, and this oh, is okay, this yeah. is the Giants all the, over that's again. A, the secondary um, is he, he's got a great point. You, you're, you're absolutely right. I mean, how many times can you get called for a penalty before the team's eventually like, dude, just go sit in the locker room, stop it. That's okay. Fair. You're you're embarrassing yourself and us at this point. Like there could not have been any more flags. On 32. I heard 32 the whole day. Like, flag. I was like, I bet it's on 32. <laughs> 32. I was like, this poor guy is just getting destroyed. So, I mean, they're not, they weren't the defense that they thought that they knew what they were. They were like, listen, we got to get to him with our front four or we're screwed. And they did exactly what they should have done is stick to the game plan, chip away at them and let the play action take care of the rest. Mm-hmm. And, that, and that's something that I wonder going forward to be the, the way that pass protection was against the Giants, and then carrying over to where it was this past week with the Eagles, it set Kirk up for a lot of big plays. I mean, we think about the two digs touchdowns, the touchdown to the the two big ones, the 62-yard and the 51-yard, and then the one in the back of the end zone. Yeah. Um, how does this carry over just in terms of keeping those explosive plays up when you do have to go against a defensive line that, yes, plays a different style uh, in Detroit, but still really good front seven just by and large? Yeah, they're absolutely a good front seven. But you know what? They bleed like every other defense, and I bet you they're going to bite just like every other defense on those play actions. You can be as good as you want, and you can absolutely in your mind be like, listen, we are the num- we just saw the number one run defense. They didn't even look like it, did no. they? Because after a while, you start chipping on them, and they start wearing down, and they go, dude, are we really going to do this for four quarters? Like, i got to <laughs> stick my head in there for four quarters and hit that guy. I don't want to – eventually somebody's going to wear down, right? And that's why you needed, like – the guys on the old line around you to be tough. Like you got to be like, listen, man, two more quarters of this, and they're going to wear down. Promise. And that's what you saw. And that's the number one rush defense. So yeah, I'm excited going forward because you say, hey, listen, play action is huge for us. And I've been a believer in play action ever since I played because there's so many reasons that play action is amazing. And we can get into that later. But for right now, saying, hey, this is what we're good at. Why not just keep doing what you're doing? Just keep chipping away, and the play action is going to be there because those linebackers are just, they're like coming through the backfield to get these running backs, and all of a sudden there's people running down the seam open, and you're like, dude, what is going on right now? Like, this is great. This is fun. This is what it's supposed to be. And then the boots with Rudy, where it's like an easy 20 yards. It's just a simple hide route, and it's 20 yards. You're like, dude, that is a great drive starter. That is the momentum we needed. Well, why did they keep biting on it? I mean, you, wouldn't you think to go back to the strategy that Green Bay used in Week 2 when they're just sitting out there on the edge, like they were anticipating it because they knew that was such a big part of the Vikings' playbook. Doesn't it seem kind of like this was so obvious almost that like, and it's just kind of baffling looking back at it, like why they kept biting on the ball fake? Yes and no. Yes, because, dude, you have to learn after a while. Like, you should just know the situation on the field. Like, hey, it's not a rundown. Like, there was times where you're running a play action. It's not even a rundown. You're like, dude, this is play action all the way. And the linebackers are still in the backfield. You're like, dude, what are you doing? But you think, if I'm the middle linebacker, 
And my coach told me, Dalvin Cook is not to beat our team. We'll let Kirk do it. And if he can do it through the air, then you guys deserve to lose. I can live with that. But the problem is it looks so bad on film now. You're like, you're like, dude, listen, they're not even really having to sell fake anymore. They're all just pass setting, and you guys are all biting on a simple. As soon as they see the ball like looking at Dalvin, they're like, go get him right now. Because they don't want to be the team that gets rushed for 275 yes. yards. Like That is the most embarrassing thing. Listen, we took Buffalo one year for 300 yards rushing, and they were like, please stop. In the fourth quarter, they were like, please stop. Dave Wanstat was their defensive coordinator. Yes. I remember that. Stop. 300 yards passing, 300 yards rushing. Kyle Williams came up to me and was like, please, just stop. <laughs> I was like, no, dude. This is the beginning of the fourth. Like, This is where we have fun. He was like, no, it's not. I was like, that, you that was asked not for a it, fun bro. game to watch. It was, it was for me and Frank. <laughs> we had a blast. But that's, that's what I'm saying. Like, you get the, and then all of a sudden from that game on, people bite on everything because they're afraid. They don't want to be the next team that gets ran all over because then everyone's going to laugh at them and they're yes. going to be the laughing stock. And, and this is exactly what the Vikings want. When Zach Brown came out and said, which I'm sure you love that whole spectacle, but when, when I he, love it. When, when he said though, Kirk Cousins is the weak link, we, we've got to make him beat us. But the problem is you forgot about these two wide receivers they have that are two of the best in the NFL. And you're treating in that way. You're almost treating Cousins like he's a joke. Like no one's ever right. said the guy's a joke. They paid him all this money because he's a really good quarterback who has his bad moments and has his bad games at times. But he's a guy who can make all of those throws. So if other teams, are saying, we're going to make Cousins throw. We're going to make Cousins throw. If you're the Vikings, you're thrilled. Great. Yeah. We'll have our guy who can launch it 50 yards down the field right into Stephon Diggs' hands, who, by the way, can smoke almost any corner in the league. Perfect. Focus on Delvin Cook. If I were playing defense against the Vikings, who, of course, can run the ball and beat you that way, I would have to say, you know what? If they do run for 300 on us and somehow beat us and embarrass us, then oh well. But 50 and 60-yard throws are going to beat us a lot faster. You realize that's why he got cut. Like they cut him for that exact reason. For the like, comment, when I heard, yeah. yeah, no, I'm not kidding you. When I read that he got cut, I go, "That's what you get for saying something stupid." Well, yeah. know your you personnel. Should... Like right. you knew not that you that, were down right. two starting corners. What no, are you saying? You. He also sort of gave thank away, you. but he gave away the game plan too in a way, right? That that's not such a big deal as it is to shoot your mouth off. Like yeah. like Courtney said. Like listen, you have the two. One of the best tandem receivers in the NFL on this team, right? Like you said, you just got to heave that ball up there, and they'll find it. I swear to God, these two are incredible. Yeah. But not only that, you, don't, you know your personnel is banged up, beat up, and here you are like, you know what? I dare you to let those two smoke us. Dude, I think Diggs was running half speed at one point around that corner. He was just jogging down the field. And the corner like had no idea what was going on. Is this zone? Is this man? I don't know. Am I? Oh, what yeah. am I doing here? Like, dude, that's why you got cut because you went out and said something stupid, put your whole team on the line like that, and then made it look even worse. It, yeah, there was the one play where it looked like uh, Douglas thought he had somebody behind him, and there was nobody that was the behind second, that was the him. Yeah. Right? That, yeah, it was a jog. Right. It was a jogging touchdown, and that's like that's embarrassing, yeah. right? And then all of a sudden, your middle linebacker's like, "Yeah, this guy can't beat us." Like, dude, not only that, but then the Vikings troll the Eagles like the one. One thing that probably pissed them <laughs> off the most is they got trolled on Twitter because they're like the yep. Twitter kings. So for them, they're like, dude, get rid of him now. Yeah, that Poor was an, it was an incredibly stupid thing to say. But then to not even own it after the game, he might have yeah. been able to save himself. That was a very soft it, move right, by not yeah. even addressing soft. it. If he had come out yeah. and said... Hey, look, I messed up. I shouldn't have said that about Kirk. We were teammates. That was that was low of me. I got caught up in the moment. On a Friday, maybe, no less. Maybe he like, could have yeah. saved that's himself what, a little. That's what I don't get. It's like, Friday is like, get in, get out. Get out. Like, why are you making a spectacle of this on the day where it's supposed to be quiet? All right, so the... 
here's one of the biggest things, Alex, that I think they can transfer over, and you tell me if you agree, is the use of multiple tight ends, sometimes three, sometimes two tight ends, and a fullback. I mean, just a lot of neck roll football going on there, right? But but it just put multiple linebackers in. They had eight men in the box the whole game. And I think anytime you have eight men in the box, Diggs and Thielen must be looking at each other like, this is going to be our day, all day. And I thought that was, that was the key. If they can force teams to keep bringing people up, they're going to throw it over them all season long. Absolutely. And, and I'm glad you said that because when you talk about play action, one of the greatest things I've always loved about it is it keeps a defense in base. Listen, I know you got your Ferrari on the sideline right now, but watch us throw it for 62 yards on the sideline because you're in base defense and I got a 350-pound nose guard that's not going anywhere. That's why I want to keep you in base the whole game and just throw the ball. Greg Roman used to love doing that to people, and he'd go, watch, guys, they're not going to realize until the game's over that we kept them in base for 98% of the game because they don't see the game going like we We say, hey, listen, we're going to put three. What the hell are these guys doing? Like, what? What? Run first team, so they're just gonna run the ball while all the digs and things gone. All you on this team is the run game and dig. Alex, you're breaking up a little bit with your mic, which sounds hilarious because it sounds like you're swearing every other word, which <laughs> I could totally no en- envision. So, so say that again. Are you are you good now? Try saying that again because it just broke up there a little and it sounded hilarious. So try it again. No, I was just I was just talking about how like keeping a team in base, and when yeah, you say yeah. you're okay, talking about you're this team. Am I back? Yeah, I, you're I back. You're good. Swearing. Perfect. Listen, I wasn't swearing, but you want to keep them in base because you say, hey, listen, we're this, this is what we are. We're a chip the, at the ball, run the ball. We're going to wear on you, and we're just going to let Diggs and Thielen take you deep. And that's going to be the whole game plan. And teams just go, well, how, eventually you can't stop it. Like, when are you going to put nickel in? Like, eventually there's a couple third downs where you can do it. But other than that, you're not really going to get your premier guys out there to get sacks. And, and you know, the Vikings are actually good at this, at keeping their nickel on the field yes. for 60-70% of the snaps and only using Ben Gideon or Eric Wilson kind of intermittently when they feel like mm-hmm. it's absolutely a run situation. And yes. I, Zimmer got fooled in the game against Indianapolis at the end of 2016. And I remember Captain Munnerlin saying, wow. this might have been off the record, but I, I, I remember him <laughs> saying at some point, like, they, <laughs> they out-schemed us. Like, they got us to put our base package on there, and then they threw all over us with Andrew Luck. And since then, Zimmer has not been fooled again by that and has been pretty clever at keeping Mackenzie Alexander or Mike Hughes on the field. So I think it's a huge factor and when a team does it. They've got to be looking over there saying, this is great. Usually the third linebacker's trash, right? Like, how many right. teams even have two good linebackers in the NFL? Or even one. I mean, everyone's on IR right now. I mean, look at this season, the way it's gone. A lot of people are hurt right now. So you're saying, hey, listen, a base compared to a nickel, if you can keep your nickel defense out there for more than 60% of the snaps, you are good. I mean, you are you have officially been like, listen, your run game doesn't even scare us to the point that we're going to take a linebacker out and put a small guy in. Like, we're not even afraid of what you're about to do. So when you talk about the best defenses, they are like nickel is their base. Yes. And dime is their nickel. Like, it's just, they're like a base. What the hell's a base? You mean goal line? No, we don't. Well, all right. Well, we'll put the goal line out there then. Like, they don't like, we don't know what a base defense is. We just roll with this defense. And that's what makes them so amazing. Yeah. Unsurprisingly, Patriots were ahead of the curve on this to keep a nickel in, oh, yeah. even when other teams were using uh, multiple tight ends. All right. Um, Alex, I have promised Courtney that she can pick the Vikings again because. I know you've just been begging, and yeah, I need, this need is, you to this stop. Is totally it's, it's, my idea. it's gotten desperate, and so we're going to allow it. Uh, eleven and <laughs> five. It. Eleven and five is what she picked the Vikings before the season. Then, when calamity struck through four weeks, she went nine and seven. So you you didn't lose your mind, 
And now we're back after. Well, initially, a let, let's, let's clear, clear this up a minute. I actually picked them as ten and six. Ten and six, and then you went to eleven and five after training camp. Yes. All right, and then you went nine and seven after Diggs didn't show up for practice, and then uh, now these last two wins, we want to see where you're at. So ramp us up some NFL music, Jonathan, and we're going to pick the schedule. And Alex, I want you to react to her picks. Let's go. All right. This week at Detroit, with the refs potentially trying to make it up to Detroit. Don't worry, Alex, we'll get there. Bad feeling. Oh. I have a really bad feeling about this game, and it's not just given the controversy of what happened last night in Green Bay. Um, I think a lot of it has to do with their secondary. So I'm going to go ahead and say this one is a loss with the right to reserve that I pick games on Thursday for ESPN.com to any of those Twitter annoying people who yell at me and tell me, you changed your pick. Well, this is Tuesday. I haven't seen the injury report yet, so I'm going to go with the loss. Washington, I'll go ahead and I'll just do this on my, myself because you're clearly I, not ready. I was going to say, I um, thought Alex was wow. going to react to you saying they're going to lose this week. I mean, I mean, go ahead. That's fine. No, go ahead. Go ahead, Corey. No, uh, I didn't know if I was going to go through the whole. <laughs> I agree with you. No, I think okay. I think I think you're right. I, I'm I think I'm, I'm with you. I think that in Detroit is a scary game, and not only that, but the refs. Like this team's going to be so pissed how how they lost that game last night. That it was, it was the worst be, outcome yeah. for the Vikings. I thought, like the Pack, it, it, the, the Packers yeah. stay ahead of them, and Detroit is now super upset. Uh, all right, super pissed. Washington. Yes. The Case Keenum revenge game. We finally get it. AP, remember, we, remember we didn't for think. Running for two fifty in this game. Remember, we didn't think that was going to happen. <laughs> uh, I have that as a win. Oh, okay, yeah, uh, that's yes. a shocker. Now, KC is a, a little bit. Uh, I think you can run on Kansas City. A little bit, like, and up. I think you should run on Kansas City. So, as of right now, do it. I think I'm going to go ahead and say it's going to be a win. Which wow, that one is that win one at KC. This, this one has changed. It's the only one of like a super drastic. Wow, pick that's changed. What do you think of that one, Alex? I don't know. I mean, I think that this offensive line right now is so shaky that they make me nervous for the rest of the year. Like, this dude's been falling on so many times that yep. I don't think he can handle. And, like, he physically is like, guys, if you fall on me one more time, I'm done. Like, my mom's going to take me home and we're all <laughs> done for the day. Right? Like, this, I even I'm like, dude, somebody get this guy some help. So, uh, right now, I'm going to say I like Courtney's pick because I don't know if this old line can hold up at all. And I don't think their defense is a lot better. They added no. Tyron Matthew, Trash. but that was basically it. So yeah. they and Chris don't have, Jones is hurt. So. And, uh, the one guy, their edge rusher left. They D brought in Ford. Frank Clark. Yeah, yeah. D. Floored. So it's not that Frank much Clark different. Frank Clark hasn't done anything. Yeah. Nothing. Like, at Dallas, who now looks ah. bad at football. They, when did that happen? Easy. Ah, easy. They, do, they lost to the Jets. Easy. Jets. Da- Dak had it. Here's my thing. I think Dak was very much Kirk Cousins in that scenario because he couldn't elevate everybody around him. When his playmakers are not like 100% and they're dropping balls, which I think that that's part and on Cooper him too. Cooper got hurt. Yep. Yeah, like that, w- that put him in a bind. Um, I know I was a little nuts on Sunday thinking they can go to Kansas City, Dallas, and Se- not Seattle, and Chargers and win all three of those games. I'll go ahead and reel that back in. I'll say that Dallas is going to be a loss. At home is different. Yeah, at home would be different. Reaction. Uh, I agree. I think that Dallas is still one of the premier teams in this league. I think that their defense takes them far. They have one of the best running backs that just loves to wear on people by himself. And when they have their offensive line that's fully healthy, they're one of the best teams in the league. Yeah, so, I agree yeah. with that. The The offensive line's health is huge. Yeah. There, we uh, there we go. Versus Denver, the trap. I want to call it a trap game. It's so I, trappy, I though. No, it's not. Yes, it is. No, it's, it's, no, it's so bad. It's, it's trappy McTrapperson. That's what I'm calling that game. Well, it's a win for uh, me because I just can't do it. I'm sorry. Trap, hey, trap, can we trap. talk about a real washed quarterback, though, and Joe Flacco? Oh, yeah, I swear serious, to God, yes. if somebody else brings Joe Flacco up to me, I'm going to throw up. It's He's just disgusting. Washed. Yes. Thank you. Um, Thank you. 
All right, bye week, bye and week then at Seattle, Russell Wilson is yeah, he's he's playing. If there's incredible. any player that can transcend a scheme, like I don't know what they're doing, doing this whole like run first mentality when that's your quarterback, um, especially on first and second down. But it's it's truly amazing to watch Seattle and what they are right now, a team that probably shouldn't be this far, but just how much Russell Wilson and no reason that he's like the leading candidate for MVP right now uh, is a part of that. So I will say that's a loss, and plus. I still have PTSD from being there last year. Yeah. Wow. So wow. That, that's a loss. The, no doubt Cousins throws one backwards again. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yikes. Uh, I'm going to totally agree with that, but I want to come back to that point that you hit about why they're doing what they're doing when they have that quarterback because I totally agree with you, but I think I know why they're doing it, but I totally agree with the Seattle loss. Um, home against Detroit. I think they will split with Detroit, so I will mark this one down as a win. Fair game. Um, home game against Los Angeles. And I know it's in Los Angeles, but it's a home game. If you saw any of the videos of Pittsburgh Steelers fans yeah. waving terrible towels. That's th- a win. I mean, the Chargers cannot convince any fans to show up to their football games and cheer for their football team, even when they wear the powder blues. It's sad. What do you what do you think of that uh, one? Is are, are the Chargers just kind of bad I now? Think, I think they're terrible. And I mean, just like you, you saw in those back-to-back drives where Phillip Rivers had, what, the interception and then the play that was called back. Like, Devin Bush, what was the one where he's, which one came first? Where Devin Bush returned the, I think he had a pick six? Or was an interception return for a touchdown? I forget. It was bad. It was bad. And I'm, and I'm just really <laughs> not high on, on it was Phillip bad. Rivers right now. <laughs> But um, I'll go ahead and mark that down as a win. Two games that I'm giving them two road wins. Yeah. Like, I, who am I? I don't right know. Now? Uh, Green Bay and Chicago. You are a max protect Cronin. <laughs> um, is Green Bay going to have Geronimo Allison and Devontae Adams well, back? Let's or assume is... that they're fully healthy. There's only, that's um, the only way you can do it with these. Uh, no, I'm assuming three injuries to the secondary. I don't know. All right. I'm going to say Green Bay's actually going to be a loss. Oh. I, I don't know. I am so starstruck in a way of just or in awe that's probably the right term of just like watching what Aaron Rodgers is doing with literally nothing and I know that we can get and we're going to get into it next segment about the referees and the penalties and all that and they should not have won that game but after what happened last night what's the guy's name Lazard yeah yeah Lazard that guy he'd never even like been targeted by Rodgers and he's four for 65 and a 35-yard touchdown with, in the with fourth a great quarter. touchdown, yeah. Beautiful. Um, Chicago, week 17. We didn't get Alex's reaction. Oh, sorry. Uh, I agree. I think there it's you go. Um, <laughs> let's say, you know, just for the sake of this, because I'm looking at my numbers right now, um, I'm going to go ahead and mark Chicago as a win because this time they're not going to want to back their way into the playoffs or at least let it come down to week 17. And if it does... They're not going to no-show again. All right. So what does that mean? What do we have um, for the Minnesota Vikings? I have to do the math on this, so talk okay. amongst yourselves. Well, there's, uh, you know, we're already late for the break. Jonathan's giving the signal, but take your time. Sure, it's fine. Go Bigs. Wait, I think I have them at 9-7 and seven again. You do? Wait a second. One, sure? two, three, four, five, ten and six. six. Ten and six. Ten Sorry, and six. my bad math. Okay. It's not my strong So she's gone from a, ten and I'm six back at right where I'm... to 11-5 and five <laughs> to 9-7 and seven back to 10-6. and six. That's, right. a, I, that's a wild card. Hey, for... just to go before we go to break, I think I disagree with you with the Chargers game. I think that's a setup game. To go you all think the way that to... one's oh, a trap that's, game? That's Trapper. Yes, that's the trap game for me okay. because you're going cross-country and, and you're like, you know what, guys? How bad could they be? Like, dude, we're going to stomp these dudes, right? Like, we're good. No, yeah. that's bad. That's, 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 a good, that's a good one. Think like a player. Come on, come on. Uh, let's uh, let's take a break. When we come back, 
I got to get your take on uh, hands to the face and other uh. penalty problems mm. with last night's game. And maybe Alex has a fix. We tried. We struggled. Uh, we'll see when we come back. Purple Daily here on Score North. The, uh, the referees had their account of what happened. I think everybody watching the game had their account of what happened. What, did, uh, what do you believe happened on those on those two calls? I was uh, working the move. They saw something different than what actually happened, and they called what they thought they saw. Poor Trey Flowers did not have his hands in the face of David Bakhtieri, and yet he was called for having his hands in the face of David Bakhtieri uh, when he has never, ever, ever before in his entire life been called for illegal hands to the face. Some very bizarre refereeing. That was only the start. There were uh, too many men on the field, 13 of them to be exact, for the Packers. That wasn't called. There was a blatant pass interference that wasn't called. Everything went wrong, and it all went against the Lions at Lambeau Field. Uh, Alex Boone, I want you to first tell me whether you think there are certain places where you don't get calls, and it's weird, because I got a lot of emails and tweets about Lambeau Field, and then solve this problem for us, because it's exasperating to come in every Monday or Tuesday or whatever it is and talk about how the referees are ruining this grand sport. Dude, I'm going to tell you right now, if you think you're getting a call in Seattle, you're dead wrong. You are dead wrong. Like, I don't even care what they do. You are not getting a call. I don't know if they pay him off. I don't know if they feed him <laughs> after the game. Feed I don't him. know what they're doing. Like, they're doing something. They're putting him up at a bed and breakfast right on the ocean or something? My God. <laughs> I swear to God, I, like, there was times where they would take Kaepernick's legs out, and they'd be like, couldn't see it. Didn't see it. Sorry. Be like, dude, what? Are you serious? Like, God, this is... And then Richard Sherman would, like, throw guys to the ground. He'd be like, dude, how do you not see this? He'd be like, dude, it's within five yards. You're like, dude, it's 50 yards down the field. <laughs> What is going on right now? You just never got anything in Seattle. But you know what? I'm going to tell you what you're going to do. You're going to get rid of them. Get rid of all of them. We're going prison rules, dude. I'm going back. I mean, old school. Just players just... decide what's going on here. No no penalties at all. Let's vote. Let's take it to a vote. <laughs> well, what, what would you what would you change? So we were talking about oh. – well, I know. Okay, it's a, it's a, we only got 30 minutes left. But we were talking about the points of emphasis and how big of a problem that is because it seems like they just pile more and more and more on these guys. And their only choice, if you have more points of emphasis, is to call more penalties. And the numbers are up across the league for the number of penalties being called. Okay, listen. I, we don't have enough time to talk about this, but I'm going to sum this up as much as I can. Number one, Alberto – Alberto. He's got to go, okay? Alberto's got to go. And that's how we got to start things, okay? Because this guy doesn't know what's going on. I agree with you. I think they're throwing a lot at these refs, and they're like, don't screw it up. But on top of saying that, you have coaches on both sides yelling at you the whole game, like, hey, look, they're doing this, they're doing this, they're doing this. Dude, shut up. I know what they're doing. They're playing football. I'm not an idiot, okay? I used to hear coaches yell at refs, and I'd be like, dude, are you stupid? Why would you yell that at a ref? Like, he's going to dictate the rest of the game, and you're going to piss him off. Mm-hmm. Like, you're a moron. And they'd be like, oh, they don't dictate the game. You're an even bigger moron than I thought you were. Like, dude, these guys have serious say in this game. And, yeah, everyone's like, oh, man, the refs suck. They do suck. But what do you want him to do? His view from behind shows your, the offensive tackle's head going straight back. So, initially, what, he, what is he to think? Hands to the face. Right? And then, all of a sudden, in the back of his mind, he goes, all right, well, here's the deal. 
I don't throw this flag, I get in trouble. I throw this flag, I get in trouble. Why do I have this job again? What am I doing this for? <laughs> yeah. They don't have the best job. You know what? Maybe if Alberto was smart, he'd say, hey, listen, here's what we're going to do. We're going to start doing replay behind the scenes on all these flags. And say one comes back that's super egregious, like we saw last night, that cost the team the game, right? That's a big game because not only is it a division game, but it's the North. Like this division is super hot right now. Yep. So maybe you say, hey, behind the scenes, we're going to start watching these. And if something's wrong to the point to where it's kind of egregious, we've already talked about this, and I told everybody that replay was the dumbest thing we could do because, number one, nobody was going to care in New York. And number two, you're just stopping this game, and everyone's like, great, now we're all just waiting here to watch somebody that was pushed, but no one's going to say he was pushed because it has to be egregious. right? But maybe you say, hey, listen, Alberto's like, hey, you guys are going to cost this team the game. Let's call this ref and let him know, hey, listen, that wasn't hands to the face. He gets a buzz. Hey, listen, it wasn't hands to the face. Take your flag back. All right, good. It wasn't. We're sorry. Let's move the game on. Sky What's cam. So hard about you that? love so sky cam that? ref or whatever. Sky ref. Like, right? The other, the independent party who can uh, look at. Don't say that. Well, you can't say that. What? If there's no independent party. Well, ever. okay. You know when what I mean. But the, yeah. the person who is part of the ref and crew, so maybe not independent, but, but independent from the refs on the field who can be seeing what we see at home. So when mm-hmm. it is egregious, they can just change it. Right. You like that. Like, yeah. They can, listen, if you're going to do anything, I see. I, I mean, I think that people should just chill out about it. You think you're the first guy to get called to hands in the face? Like, I get it. It costs you a big game. And, yes, it's a huge deal. But you're not going to be the last person that it mm-hmm. happens to. And you certainly weren't the first person that it happens to. It's the game. So many people play this game every year, and they don't realize that some of this game is human error. There's so much human error to it that you're like, dude, it drives me nuts. I'm watching film, and I'm watching the dumbest things happen. And you're like, what? I guess we got to roll like that. Like, I mean, the ref's not going to call. We got to go. I mean, what do you want to do? We can't be yelling at the ref because then he's in a bad mood and then he's starting to get pissed at us. I mean, <laughs> there were times where we would be in games and the refs would be really cool, especially to the O-line. Like, they're really nice to the O-line because they know we have a lot on our plate. So they're like, hey, listen, you work with us, we'll work with you. Now, there's times where the coaches have said things on the sideline and everything went out the window. And it was like, you're on your own. Good luck. And it was like, wait, 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 wait. No, no. Ed, Hockley, come here. Let's, let's talk about this. Jim didn't mean what he said. He was totally playing around. He's like, no, you guys want to be like that? Be like that. Yeah. Yeah, they're they're people too. That's a story from uh, Mike Holmgren before the Super Bowl in Seattle where he was talking to a referee and he said something about, uh, like, hope you're big enough for the moment or whatever to the ref. And he felt like he didn't get any of the calls after that because he had said the wrong thing. And you don't want to accuse them of doing that, but even... I mean, I umpired high school baseball games, and if they were giving me a hard time, like, well, you know what? That's been a balk all day, so I'm going to wait till you got a couple of guys on, and then it's really a balk. You know, I mean, Dude, yeah, it's, it's, it's only, it's, it's only. <laughs> he called it a balk. I, de- I definitely did do this once. But you did ba- not. Tough break, man. Bases loaded balk. I war- you I, did not. I, I warned the kid first. He was being, uh, you know what, and I said, oh look, you're balking. You so have what, to come kept, to the he set. He kept trying to throw back to first base? No, he, he wasn't coming to the set. It. You have yeah, to come to the set and you have to stop. And he wasn't yeah. stopping. But I feel like, ah, it's a high schooler so you should tell him first. So I said, look, you're not coming to the set. Gotta make sure you do. He's giving me lip the whole game. So it was a big situation. He did it again. Call the balk. Like, well, I my, my you know, time out, time out, time out, time out, time out. This this game had no implications, right? This wasn't like the state finals. No, it was like summer league. It was, oh, okay, it wasn't good. that I big thought, of a deal. Oh, I thought I would it was have like done it no matter what, like, though. He's a jerk. Oh man, I'm like, nobody gets called for a balky, dude. What? 
Yeah, but he was blocking. I'm just saying. Anyway, right, what were we going right. to say, Gordon? Well, I was talking about my umpiring career last, lasted about three months. I did peewee ball, like oh, did you? first yes. and second graders, and it was the parents there. Oh, like, yeah. Oh, people get pretty serious. They were out of control. Um, <laughs> but I, I want to get back to this because I had I pulled up some numbers. Um, so right now, six weeks into the season, 44 challenges, seven calls overturned, which means 20 of 21 pass interference challenges held up. We went into this off season thinking, okay, it's going to be fixed. It's going to be the point of emphasis of all point of emphases, emphasis, um, at the owners meeting. Emphasis. I don't know if that's emphasis. plural. Um, but like, in, in coaches are not calling it now because we have Al River on, Alberto River Alberto. on, um, Alberto. in New York, who's behind the golden curtain, who's like, you know, it, it, coaches really have no incentive to call it whatsoever. We talked about this at the top of the show. Do you think, I mean, to me, the biggest issue here, or one of them, on outside of um, pass interference itself, in you know the the what we've morphed from the the catch rule to where we're at right now, the New York interference is really really maddening, in yeah. my opinion. Where you go back to, you know, why why even have refs in the first place if it's always going to be in, like in stadium? Why have them there if it's going to be a call to New York regardless, and it could overturn what they've seen with their own eyes by somebody watching it on a monitor? Like, doesn't it kind of feel like it's almost like a Big Brother approach, Alex, to just how they're refereeing this? Where it's like, okay, we're going to go out to New York now and see what Alberto Riveron is looking at 16 games at the moment. We're going to get his judgment call on this, even though he's not here. And then have him make a stupid yes. video that doesn't make any sense. Yeah, I mean, I think it's more big. It's not so much Big Brother as it is like people just kind of fumbling over what they're doing. Like, I think when you saw the Saints and the Rams, that what happened was so egregious. Like, we have never seen that in sports. Like, dude, nobody saw that. Like, everybody saw it, but the two most important people in the world, they didn't see it. And it was like, well, you can't talk to them about it because they're not allowed to look up and see a replay because they're not human for, like, the next three hours. They're robots. You know, you saw it, like, last night of the Monday Night Game. You see everybody like, hey, look up, dude. You can just look up and see what we didn't do that. Like, if they just let them do simple things like that, it might even help. Like, hey, listen, show it on replay. Okay, let me see. You know what? You're right. That wasn't hands to the face. No call. We're good. Like, it doesn't take a lot to show that nothing happened. But I think the problem is with P.I. is – whether you slow it down or whether it's full speed, it always looks like a lot. It looks like a lot of guys pushing off each other. It looks like a lot of hand fighting. It looks like a lot of nonsense. So when you slow it down, it looks worse. When you speed it up, it's kind of like, eh, it's not that bad. But then you're asking people to replay it and relook at it and look at it from this angle and look at it. It all looks the same. It's two guys hand fighting down the sideline. Did he catch the ball or not? Did the guy pulled his arm down? Did he arm bar him? Did he impede him? Did he you know, slingshot himself? What did he do? If they didn't do anything, then you need to take the flag away. But you're right. They've made it to the point to where it's like, listen, if it's not so egregious that we're all blown away, then we're not going to take it back. Can they fix it, do you think, or do they just have to put it on hold? Because right now it's not being said that it's on hold, but it is. I mean, when you don't overturn any for 24 straight or whatever it is, then it's clearly on hold. And last night, Matt Patricia had a great case for a pass interference. He decided not to challenge it, knowing that if you challenge it, you're going to lose, right? Right. So they've essentially put it on hold. Can it be fixed? I think it can be if the standard is much more clear. Because like you said, there are a lot of things that look like it that probably aren't necessarily egregious. But we've never truly defined what egregious is. And I feel like if there is a more clear definition, then it won't be that hard to get this going again and make sense. 
I disagree. I think that there's no way to fix it. And I think, if anything, you've opened a door that you shouldn't have opened. Like when you said, hey, listen, we're going to replay all the PIs, people were like, whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah, that, that's great. But then if you're not going to do anything with reviewing them, then what's the point of doing it? But Jen, you've opened this door. So now you can't go back and say, hey, listen, that was a bad idea. We're not going to do that. Because people are going to be like, no, 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 no. We want to go back there. As a matter of fact, we want to do some other things too, like roughing the pastor. We'd like to do some of this. And, and it's like, well, no, we kind of thought wrong. And maybe we want to kind of take that idea back. And they're like, no, nah, man, too late. Door's open. Now we're walking through it and we're going to look at some other things. We want to make sure our quarterbacks are safer. I mean, it's just you keep opening all these doors, Alberto, when people are like, shut them. Close the doors. There is no more replay like that. There is not, you know, we're taking this away because it's making the game so confusing for everybody. People are watching it like, man, I, I, I don't know. I mean, he pushed him to the ground. Is that PI? I'm not sure. Is it egregious? Like you said, there's no definition for egregious. I don't know. After they fire Alberto, I'm going to miss him because of us no, calling him Alberto. Do you no, think I'm not going to miss him in the game. Up- I'm going to miss this. No, they'll find a guy with a better name. Don't worry. He'll end up at a network somewhere. I want. Oh, I, yeah, I would sure. love to see him work with Pat McAfee after Pat went on and Alberto. He just loves saying the name Alberto so on I. Get yes. Up. I think it was yesterday um, or two days ago. He just eviscerated him, like, and just loves saying his name in the process. And he's got it coming. Uh, let's take a quick break. When we come back, I want to uh, ask a question to you folks about the Vikings' defense. There seems to be a little bit of a debate about the defense against Philly and how good they're going to be going forward. So let's discuss when we return. Alex Boone, Courtney Crone, and Matthew Collar here on Purple Daily. Jonathan here with the Score North download. You can join Dan Terrar, Callum Williams, Kendra D. St. Aubin, Jamie Watson, and myself this Sunday for Minnesota United playoff action as they host the LA Galaxy in the first round of the 2019 MLS Cup playoffs from Allianz Field pregame at 7 p.m. with kickoff at 7.30 right here on Score North on AM 1500. ScoreNorth.com and the free Score North mobile app. You've heard us try and attempt to fix the refing issue, so how would you do it, Vikings fans? Hit us up at ScoreNorth on Twitter, at North on Twitter with your suggestions of how to fix the refing issues in the NFL. That's been your Score North download. Now back to the final segment today of Purple Daily. Thank you, Jonathan. We will do our neck rolls of the week in just a moment. Um, But first, I want to give you guys a number and then uh, get your reaction on this. Right now, in terms of expected points added, which is a good metric to get a kind of an overall grasp of how good a team is at offense or defense, the Vikings are ranked as the seventh best defense in the NFL. Um, A, do you both, Alex Boone and Courtney Cronin, believe that seventh is a fair ranking? And B, can you win the Super Bowl with seventh? Like, do they have to be better than that to be a legitimate Super Bowl contender, or does seventh work for you? Why don't you go first, Court? I think it'll even out. I think right now, I mean, you can look at, we're looking at overall offense. So you can. Look, defense, defense. Defense. Yes. Um, I do think that that will even out just in terms of like the teams that you have to play. You're going to face a Kansas City team that's probably going to try to light you up on the back end. Yep. You're going to face a Dallas team that when everybody's healthy, you're going to have a lot of weapons to deal with. Yep. I think. They are still a top 10. I don't know if they'd be a top 5. I think they're a top 10 defense by the time this is all said and done. To win a Super Bowl, you have to be a top 5 defense. Uh, but I think you can get you can be a good playoff team, a two-win playoff team with a top 10 defense. What do you think, Alex? I agree. I think that you could definitely be a playoff team with a top 10, but... I mean, when you talk about playoff teams, it's those are the teams that like that go to the Super Bowl. Those the guys that hit their stride at the right point, right? Like all this, all these games right now, they all matter. And they and don't get me wrong, they always do. But we we were in those rooms. We would sit there and we'd be like, listen, as long as you can hit your stride, week one of December, you're fine. 
Like as long as you're in the playoff hunt and you can get there and you can get into the playoffs and you're still striding, you're good. And you see the teams. They have top five defenses and their offenses are rolling. Now, Chicago last year was the exception, right? Like their, their defense was phenomenal. I mean, they were the Miami's offense right now. That's what they were to that team. So you take that defense and you say, eh, with an okay offense. They're like, they were the guys that were just bound to get out first. But when you're saying a team that can go to the Super Bowl, like you got to be prepared to play Belichick and you better have the best defense ready to roll because he's going to have the best defense ready to roll for you. And he knows exactly how he's going to attack you. So if you are going to go in there, your defense better be stout and ready. Yeah, and New England has allowed one passing touchdown and has intercepted 14 passes in six games. I mean, I know that they haven't played great teams all the time, but that is astonishing. I mean, even the Vikings giving up 10 touchdowns, getting six picks, like that's pretty good. Uh, they're only giving up 4.8 yards per play, which it ranks, let's see, fifth in the NFL. I mean, they've got a really good defense. But after the other day against Philly, some people on Twitter were talking about, like, is it, is it going to be enough when they get to the playoffs to just be the fringe top five defense, or do you really have to be number one with this offense? And I think we're kind of still yet to figure out how good the offense truly is. Um, we've seen its explosiveness against bad teams. we got to see it against the good teams first. But I don't know if they necessarily have to be number one because the offense will be somewhere in the ballpark of 10th best in the NFL. But to be a legit contender, when you're talking about probably having to play the Saints maybe in the Superdome with Drew Brees back, like I think they do have to be way up there, one, two, or three, to, to win the way that they want to win, which is largely with defense. I think that the to say that as long as you have a number one defense, you're going to be fine is such a silly thing because it's not about the X's and the O's. It's about the Jimmy's and the Joe's, right? That's what they used to say. And you could scheme up whatever you want. But if you can't go play on the road, you can't win. I'm sorry, you can't win anywhere. Like If you just can't go win on the road in big games, you can't win in the playoffs. That's just how it goes because they're all on the road at big places because the teams that are hosting those are used to it. They're the good teams. They're the teams that are like, man, we've been here for a while. We know what we're doing. You guys got to come play us. And that's what's so hard. It's not having a top five offense or defense. It's how do we play on the road? Because obviously we're not one of these teams that just gets to hold the one and two seat every year. You know, now yeah. you look at the NFC, it's kind of changing over right now. I think Teddy Bridgewater is doing a fabulous job of keeping them at number two or wherever they're going to be because when Drew Brees comes back, this team is still hitting their stride, which is phenomenal. But you're talking about like, you're looking like, hey, man, we're in the NFC right now, and there's a lot of really good teams. So if we can just get in there, well, now all of a sudden we're going to have to play all our games on the road. And how are we on the road? Are we a stout team or are we a fall-by-the-wayside team? I think there's a lot to be seen with this team. I don't like the fact that they went out and stroked digs the way they did this weekend. I think that's unfair to the team. I think that that shows a little bit not of what they wanted to do maybe. I think that they should have been the opposite, in my opinion. I think they should have given the ball to Dalvin more and they should have thrown it to Thielen more. I think that when you resist and the team kind of comes by you and corrals you like, it's okay. Well, what's going to happen the next time it falls by the wayside? Because you're looking at this schedule. And, yeah, some of these teams are not what we thought that they would be in August. But some of these teams are even better than we thought that they'd be. And you're going to have to go there and play them. What's going to happen when the team starts to fall apart there? Are they going to have to corral you again? Are you going to become another side distraction? Like this is the, These are the things that worry me. It's not a top-five defense. It's not a top-five offense. It's how are these guys gelling right now? Like, yeah, things are smooth. We just came off a win. And what did they say? All sins are forgiven in a win. No question. But what happens when we start losing? Are we going to fall apart again? Because if you are, don't even try and get into the playoffs this year because these teams are for real. I mean, you got Teddy down in New Orleans right now like, hey, guys, I, I got this. 
I can ride this ship into the playoffs for you, Drew. Don't worry, I got this. That's incredible. You look at the Niners, what they're doing in the West, Seattle. You better be for real if you're coming this year. All right, let's. Uh, that was great. That was an excellent, like, summation. nice way to put there. a bow on right, it. Well done. Uh, to so, also show that it's not entirely over with Diggs yet, which I think that no, that's, yeah, keep I that door open. Totally agree. Um, I have to. But before we go for today, and you and I, Alex, will be back on Thursday. Neck roll of the week. We've got to do it. Oh yeah. Once upon a time, the NFL was tough, and the fullbacks wore neck rolls. Each week, we learn that the league hasn't gone soft, and for the player who demonstrated the most grit, we award the neck roll of the week. All right. Who wants to start? Go ahead, Courtney. My neck roll of the week comes from the Thursday night football game, which, honestly, I was jacked about. I really didn't go into that game thinking there was going to be much of anything to watch, but I was locked in until the third quarter. Um, But my play came in the second quarter when Lorenzo Carter strip-sacked Tom Brady and Marcus Golden scooped that thing up. And the reason that he gets a neck roll is just the stretch yeah, at the end. Yeah. Broke going a tackle, kind of. It was pretty amazing. And he's been playing lights out. But really, it was the extension of the arms, the extra effort play. You get a neck roll. He probably already has like five of them, though. So it's, you know, <laughs> this doesn't mean a lot to him, but it means a lot to me. All right, Alex. All right. So listen, I want to give mine to a very old, old, old man that just for so long has deserved this. But. I, I, if I'm pretty accurate here, I think he got called for a use of the helmet, and then he was so pissed at the next play when James Conner tried to jump over his own guy, he just buried a shoulder into him and yes. dropped him. I mean, he dropped him like a flat pancake Saw and that. got up like, dude, don't you ever throw that flag on me again. Listen, I've played Thomas Davis. He is one of the craziest guys on the field. <laughs> he will do anything to win, including grab you anywhere he has to to get by you. I loved playing with him. I absolutely think he deserves this neck roll of the week. My neck roll came from the same game with the player involved that you just mentioned, James Conner. Seven catches, 78 yards, broken tackles, ran 16 times for 41, which is not a great yards per rush, but was just grinding out. They've got their third-string quarterback. He's having to drop it off to James Conner over and over and over again. And that dude is just a battler. He's like a little bowling ball. He's not easy to take down. And he's carrying the Pittsburgh Steelers' offense to being halfway decent and getting a road win in Los Angeles. I loved his effort. And I, I want to know if... Does Kirk Cousins deserve a neck roll for running into Nigel no. Bradham and bouncing the block? Off? I was wondering if any of you were going to try and give him one, but I was going to have to take that away because, no, dude, what no. have we said? Slide. Yeah, slide. slide. Don't what take are that you? hit. Don't, you know, they're always like, dude, that just happens so fast. How does it happen so fast? You're running. You see him just slide. Like, <laughs> yes. you're not a tough guy. Don't do it. All right. Alex, you and I will be back on Thursday. Looking forward to that. Great stuff. Thank uh, you. Courtney. You're you, See you tomorrow. As always. Yep, we'll be out there. Um what are we real quick, what are we looking for tomorrow? What do you mean? I mean, are we gonna grill everybody about penalties and stuff? I'm looking forward to the taco bar from Hy V. I don't know what oh, you're is going it tacos? at. It is Wednesday. Come on, don't tease me. No, it's it's definitely taco. Are you sure? Okay. If history that's... repeats itself the way it has the last three weeks, okay, yes. that's, that's a great day. All but right. yes, we're going to be grilling them about penalties and, and talking about Detroit secondary and other things. Okay, and I'm really excited about the tacos now. All right, thanks, Alex. Thanks, Courtney. We will be back tomorrow. And uh, Sage Rosenfels returns to the show. Coming up next, Mackie and Judd with Rami here on Score North. The South Dakota Stories, Volume 2. 
I could see beyond the black hills and the way they called for exploration. I could feel the air, the way it paints against skin and fills hungry lungs. I could hear the way the water ran for miles and the way the bison grazed, the way our boots meet the earth as we step past expected. I could imagine my time in South Dakota, and I wish to go back, because there's so much South Dakota, so little time. Whether it's Baker's Simple Truth Turkey, or Mac and Cheese with Murray's English Cheddar, or pie made with fresh Cosmic Crisp apples, there are many dishes we look forward to sharing during the holidays. And Baker's has all the fresh ingredients you need to turn today's holidays into tomorrow's memories. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Get more ways to save at the Buy 5 or More Save $1 each sale. Just buy 5 or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Baker's, fresh for everyone.